Oh boy, computers, will you ever learn? Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panonto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how is it going? Uh, well, the world is still pretty Vampire. tense. Na, 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 na. Oh, I thought you That's were going to keep doing the lyrics. Nope. Okay. No, I don't want to get sued by the Smashing Pumpkin. Gotcha. Billy, um, Billy Corrigan. But, I don't um, know if he's lawsuit happy. Maybe he wants me to sing. I don't think he's going to expect to get too much out of this week in film. <laughs> That's true. We are not number one in any country this week, which is why the intro was in English. Yeah. Tough uh, break, Finland. You came in second, but the rules are very clear. <laughs> Only <laughs> countries where we're number one. Have, have we actually been number one in a country? Yeah, Tajikistan uh-huh. and Germany. Oh, we were, we were number, number one. one in Germany. Oh, wow. I did not. I don't remember. That. Maybe we were like number four in Germany. I, I don't remember. But we changed We changed the rules after Germany. Oh, okay. I see. Because we were really blowing up for two weeks there. And then and then this week. <laughs> so, so you know what that means? Morocco? You better get your butt in gear. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so actually, I'm doing... Fairly well, all things considered. How are you, Nick? I'm fine. Good. Have you seen movies this week, Matt? I did. I saw some movies, and I could tell you which ones they are if I were planning ahead and had my app open. Oh, yes, that's right. I watched I Kill Giants from 2018 and Intruders 2016. There are a lot of movies called Intruders, but this one's the 2016 one. But how about you? What did you uh what did you say? Wait a second. The picture you sent me of The Intruder is a movie from two th- from 1986. Oh, did that's a, that's a whole different thing. I just saw how many movies were called Intruder or Intruders, and so I just kept scrolling through them and then I saw the one that I sent you. The one about a man named Rambo. Yes, Rambo. Based, based on Rambo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's inspired by the movie Rambo. Yes. Oh, actually, actually, in the intruders that I watched, according to IMDb, is from 2015, not 2016. So, Oh, my God. Yeah. How embarrassing. It sure is. I don't even know why I'm allowed to review movies. I don't either. You but hired we me. Must, it's true. And I gave you a raise recently. <laughs> yeah. 100% <laughs> raise. I, too, have seen movies this week. Yeah, you should tell us about that. I watched the... Second part of the Quest trilogy, Chasing the Star, from 2017. And I watched Batman Begins from 2005. Oh, I'm jealous. Which seems so long ago. Oh, yeah. Who should go first this week? You know what? We are both going to be able to talk about Batman Begins. So maybe I should go first because I don't think you can really talk about either of the movies I saw. Okay. Tell you what, I will go ahead and start with I Kill Giants. An unrated movie, and the plot of this movie is that there's a young girl. I think it's implied she's like a freshman in high school named Barbara, played by a young lady named Madison Wolf. And it starts out with her putting some homemade potions on some trees and wearing some bunny ears. And it becomes pretty clear quickly that she has some rituals and kind of unusual behaviors. And then we find out that she's got sort of an aggressive brother and a burnt out older sister played by Imogen Poots. 
And there's some sort of a kind of unclear, undescribed grieving process of some sort. You can see that the parents aren't around, but you're not sure what's going on. And throughout the movie, you see that this young lady has a kind of a chip on her shoulder. Uh, she's getting bullied, but she's also pretty aggressive with kind of anyone around her. I have to interrupt you. Sure. Because literally yesterday we were at work, not you and I, but me and other people were at work and we looked up the meaning of chip on your shoulder yeah. to see where that where that came from. Yeah. Would you like to know? <laughs> So I thought that's where you were going. Yes, please. Now that you've introduced uh, the idea, I would like to know the origins. Apparently in the mid to late 19th century, that's 1800s for Idiots. everyone, for, <laughs> for those who use metric time, the phrase came about when if you wanted to fight somebody, they would literally put a piece of rock or like bark, like a piece of wood or rock on their shoulder. And if you wanted to throw down... You'd come up and literally knock that chip off their shoulder. Otherwise, you're just, you're doing a little hold me back, fellas. Hold me back. But if you really want to fight, you'll go up and knock that chip off his shoulder. Uh, it eventually became like around uh, at some point that the saying just meant someone who was ready to fight at the drop of a hat. But like, I guess uh, originally was literally you would have a chip on your shoulder and someone would knock it off if they really wanted to fight. When And now you got to look up the origins of drop of the hat all right well you keep talking i'm gonna look that up <laughs> yeah, i didn't mean right now maybe maybe for next week's episode and you can we can do or phrase origin corner okay so uh, i'm a, I, I look up a lot of things like that too so i can appreciate that although i am surprised that people would find that to be an effective way of challenging people i'm gonna put this thing on my shoulder and just see if someone knocks it off or if you're in the middle of like getting pissed off at them you're like man now i gotta find a rock or something so i can put it on my shoulder to invite them hold on hold on do you really want to fight yeah i want to fight hold on i gotta find a rock yeah i gotta go find anybody got some wood or a stone here's a rock and then you just throw it at the other guy <laughs> <laughs> Good, I finally found it. Boom! And I hit you with it. So this movie is kind of like, it's somewhere between Pan's Labyrinth and Brigsby Bear in its tone. And there's a lot of the movie where you're, this, this girl keeps talking about, like she meets another young girl and they sort of start becoming friends. And I think there's some narration too, where she's explaining anyway that she like hunts giants. But she's also, she explains some of it to this girl and you're seeing a lot of this like imagery peppered here and there throughout the movie of like giant stuff. So, you know, throughout the movie, it's not quite like Pan's Labyrinth where you're like wondering whether or not the stuff she's talking about is real. It's it's kind of pretty clear that it's imagination sort of stuff, but that's kind of it. That's kind of the plot of the movie. And then towards the end, things kind of coming together. You start to figure out a little bit more of like what's going on in terms of like what brought her here and like, you know, what exactly more specifically like her grudge with the world is. As far as stuff that's not so great, I'd say some of the acting's not good the, the bully is pretty terrible it's it's a, another one of those cases of someone trying too hard to act tough and in fact there's kind of a lot of that throughout the movie because like i said the main girl's got a bit of a chip on her shoulder this bully does too and then there are people like gym teachers and stuff like that that also try to act tough and it seems like anytime someone's acting tough maybe it's the direction because it's, it's pretty bad the main girl's pretty good overall and if i didn't say so the actress is named Madison Wolf. She's pretty good, but there are a few moments here or there where I'm like, oh, they could have used a better take, probably. There are some moments where she really shines, and like a lot of emotion comes through her expression. 
The school psychologist is played by Zoe Saldana, and she's pretty good. There's some weird stuff, though, where it almost seems like she's teaching class in the school, and that's not a thing, or at least in any school system I know it's not. There And there are moments in, throughout the movie where people don't exactly act in character. Like, there's one moment where the bullies, because she's got some toadies with her, too, like, run into the girl outside of school, and they just kind of leave her be. And I'm like, well... In every other scene, they jump at any chance they can get to give her a hard time and they just don't bother here. That's weird. They're off the clock. Yeah. And there's like some of the metaphor in the movie is a little heavy handed, but there's a, there's good stuff too. There's really good imagery here and there. I think the way that it kind of invites you into her imagination actually works pretty well. And so unlike something that's, uh, what's the uh, Guillermo del Toro, you know, kind of movie where it's like, eh, it's got some imagery, but it's really light on anything to really draw you in. This movie does a pretty good job of drawing you in. They do a decent job, I think, of showing something that I appreciate, which is like like some of the interactions between her and the therapist, I think for the most part are pretty good. The school psychologist and kind of can give you a sense of, you know, how uncomfortable someone might be doing therapy and also sort of the position they're both in as they interact with one another. And then there's a character that I won't name that I found pretty interesting it's not in the, the movie for very long, but I thought it was really cool and had sort of, it, it kind of carries the message of the movie with it. And I thought it was pretty good. And there were some kind of touching moments. So overall, I while I was watching it, there were times where I was like, I'm not really sure what it is I want from this movie or what I want to take away from it. But by the end, I was, I was really satisfied and I would recommend it overall, especially if you like stuff that's a little bit off the wall and has an independent feel. If any, if we've got listeners who did like Brigsby Bear, you might like this. So um, yeah, check it out. All right. That sounds cool. I did. I did have a question because you, you were talking about Pan's Labyrinth a lot. So I'm going to talk about that movie now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't really remember that movie. I have seen it and I remember like being like, this is freaky and there's like something to do with Nazis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's <laughs> about as much as I remember of it too, which makes me think it probably fits with most of the Guillermo del Toro stuff where but like my question is does the like the monster people really exist or is the girl just escaping into her imagination to get away from atrocity i honestly don't remember i don't remember either but the the place that it holds in my mind is that it's imaginary it's like a sort of dissociative thing but i don't know if that's actually true or not that's just that's the description i have in my mind and all of the details are missing other than someone has eyeballs in their hands yeah creepy okay cool well that movie sounds neat that sounds like it's up my alley yeah i think you would like it well movies that i have seen yeah include chasing the star from 2017 did you did you do like a a jazz hand sort of thing while you said that i did hand from left shoulder Uh my my right hand from my left shoulder all the way out to like pointing to neverland okay because that's kind of what i pictured so yeah good deal i didn't i didn't do like shaky jazz no no not shaky pointing to the sky (laughs) yeah like a like a the more you know (laughs) you know like kind of anyway continue this movie was directed by brett miller and was written by dj perry and it stars a few of the people from the other movies that i talked about last week including including the rob riggle guy who also this movie is the indiana jones and the temple of doom of the quest trilogy wherein it is a prequel 
This takes place uh, on Jesus's birth. And that's weird. Like out of nowhere, this movie just like the second part of a trilogy just jumps back in time 33 years. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there's some strange nonlinear storytelling going on, which is very confusing because the actors look exactly the same no matter what time period they're in this is the story of three priests who you might remember as the three wise men oh yeah they are sent on a quest to go find the new king of kings or the king of the jews and we all know him as jesus but they don't know him yet they, you know, they haven't met because he's just a baby and he was just born and there's like a big brand new star in the sky which is definitely not just a comet passing by <laughs> anyway is that being questioned at some point in my head because they show earth from space by the way earth is round according to this movie ah. and we see uh, also space exists and we see this star light up in the sky and it's not unlike god coming to light where it's just kind of like hey turn that switch on okay good now this star is on and it's just kind of glowing but the way i see it is it's it's a comet coming into close proximity with our sun and thus is now lit up so that's my scientific reasoning behind this miracle uh-huh and the movie just kind of proves it for me and there are a few astrologers on the ground and i know people would watch the skies back then because what else are you going to do at night there's this one priest who's looking at the sky and he starts writing down longitude and latitude and this is 2000 years ago i don't think longitude and latitude was a thing yet like he goes 34 degrees declination 74 degrees like he's he's just like writing it down and i'm like well first of all you're just guessing you have no instruments in front of you to like write this thing down and i know you're not good enough to just know how to do that off the top of your head so this is all bs anyway tons of people see this star including king herod who is the king of something jerusalem maybe I don't know. I don't know my Bible stories. And he is not happy about it because he becomes aware of this prophecy that the local religion has. I don't know if they go out of their way to not call these people Jewish in this movie or uh -huh. if mag magi was a was a thing again i don't know my history so pardon my ignorance but it seems like they really go out of their way to not say jewish except for king of the jews a bunch of times and that's awkward so this guy finds out that this star is in the sky and it's the announcement of the messiah so this order of religious priests put together a caravan to go f to the city of Bethlehem to find this baby that's their new god. And King Herod's like, okay, you want to come through my land? And he's kind of like crazy, like crazy, crazy. And I'm pretty sure he's banging his sister, but that's kind of up in the air. One thing I meant to mention last week is that in all of these movies, all three of these movies, physical affection with another human being must be limited to a passionate hug. <laughs> and what? Yeah. So like it's like in, a rule that's being stated like publicly. It's not it's not stated out loud. You could just see it on screen because at one point Longinus Longinus in the Christ Slayer basically goes home with a prostitute and they just passionately hug a lot. They just keep hugging over and over and over again. And I said, they're not allowed to kiss. Watch, look, they're not allowed to, they're going to bring their mouths as close as possible, and then they're just going to go in for the friend hug, because that must be a sin. 
to kiss somebody, especially a, a prostitute, because I guess paying for a hug's not as bad as paying for a kiss. I don't know. So that's a theme throughout this movie. Anyway, so I'm pretty sure in this movie, the king is banging his sister because there's this weird incest vibe that you get. And she is kind of controlling him as a puppet or just kind of directing him a little bit because he's crazy. And so she just kind of like focuses his anger on something and then drives him towards her goal, making him think it's his goal. And she's like, you got to stomp out this baby. This baby is bad news for us. And he's like, right, but how do we find the baby without these priests? And she's like, see, here's what we're going to do. She also has a twirly mustache that she's fiddling. And the lack of laughter is killing me. <laughs> so... She and he devised this plan for when the priests come to ask permission to walk through his lands to get to Bethlehem, he's going to say like, yeah, sure, you can go through, but on your way back, bring the baby by here. I'd love to meet the new king. And the, the, priests, are, <laughs> the priests are like, sure, we're definitely going to do that. And it's just, it's at that all of the actual good storytelling and filmmaking that this movie had like this movie builds up a ton of goodwill for it in about the first 20 minutes 20 minutes into this movie right before this scene happens my wife and i both kind of said at the same time this doesn't suck this isn't terrible and then the king says to the priest bring the baby by here i'd love to meet him and the movie just goes downhill <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous how bad and how boring this movie gets so the king gives the priest permission to pass through their lands his his lands and immediately the guy who's driving this caravan uh, like the guy in charge of it says there's a big bad storm coming we should probably rest for the night. And one of the priests says, no, we must press on. And then they stop to have a conversation about something different. And then someone comes by and says, help me set up my tent, won't you? And then the caravan guy comes by again to ask, can we stop because the big storm is coming? And you're like, what's the deal with this storm? And why does this guy keep asking, can we stop? And why are we setting up tents if we're not stopping? Because you realize, oh, this is a first draft. And he went back and changed things and forgot to change it back. Oh. What you don't realize is that this seemingly this big storm that you think is going to slow him down for a night. And maybe the king's going to change his mind and, and hunt down the priests and have him executed or something for trespassing or whatever, you know, like whatever thing he can come up with. What it actually is, this storm is the main character of the movie. Is because... this going to turn into the Noah's Ark thing? No, no. This is the story of this. This is the three wise men's story. But rather than it being of their journey to find the baby, the, the baby Jesus, yeah. they're just stuck in this dust storm in the desert. And it is, let me tell you, a bad storm really bad you know how i know because they tell you a lot so much <laughs> so much they tell you so much and well i believe the rule well known by all people in hollywood is tell don't show right and they have these cloth tents that they're in with what they're implying is hundreds of miles an hour worth of wind. And we're, they're like struggling to get inside their tents and like covering their faces. And then they, they get inside the tent and the tent door is just open. Like the flap is just open uh -huh. and it's just like a sunny day outside. <laughs> and the walls of the tent aren't moving. Every so often it'll look like someone will punch it just to give it some movement or something. But so and what, then I, there's what just... I hear you saying is it's not very convincing. <laughs> no. 
it's not. And it is 90% of this movie. Oh, Lord. This storm. This storm that you think is going to be a five-minute interlude is the entire plot of the movie. Because the three priests are, there's a, there's a young guy who never wanted to be a priest. He just kind of wanted to be in love, which is against the law. Being in love? And being in love and wanting to live your own life and not wanting to be a priest. Because being a priest is the highest honor you can possibly have. And his family forces him to become a priest and to give up his true love and all that stuff. The middle-aged-ish guy, he always wanted to be a priest, but his family didn't want him to. Because they had so much commercial goods that the, ma- that the father wanted the older brother to stay because the other brother died or something. It's not clear. Then there's the old man priest, and he was orphaned as a baby and was raised by the church, and he's there. He's, 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 he's just kind of a good guy priest. He's just kind of like, oh, yeah, let's go find this baby because I've been waiting my whole life for this. And we get their backstory. They're all terrible. And the sets are awful. The younger guy who doesn't want to be a priest, his father throws this big party and it is clearly just someone's house in modern times, like with a window <laughs> with with curtains and stuff and consoles and like here's the table where the tv's supposed to go but that clearly can't be in the shot but we can leave the table there that's fine let's just get the tv out of the room and they just have this whole scene meanwhile the king's palace looks great i don't know where they shot that but it looks like a full either it's a full-on fantastic set or they got they shot it at medieval times in (laughs) arizona because it looks great the tents look terrible the whole movie takes place inside these three or four tents it's just a disaster i could i could honestly i'm I'm gonna wrap it up because i could go on about this movie for a really long time but it's terrible and it's a shame too because it's kind of an interesting movie at the beginning like kind of a political intrigue religion kind of a story Mm -hmm. but it it just completely obliterates all of that i do want to mention that the priests all blame themselves because of the giant storm the giant storm is the wrath of god because they haven't found the baby fast enough they have failed god this is the first day still this this is the same day they left the castle to, to find the baby and they have failed God, and so well, God things, is trying... Things weren't that far apart then, <laughs> I guess. And so God is punishing them with this horrible storm, and, you know, it's God's will. It's God's will. But let us pray for a better for a better resolution. And I'm, I'm just like, you know what? That's such a cop-out, because either it's God's will or it's not. Yeah, Why are I you don't praying? think if you're going to be like, hey, God, I think you made a mistake. I'm going to ask you to change your mind. <laughs> Like, right. I don't think God like, would be like, oh, yeah, I screwed up. My bad. I have this grand plan, but you know what? Screw it. Since you um, asked nicely. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of praying in this movie. And then they pray so hard that the angel Gabriel from the other two movies shows up to tell them why they have all failed God. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like they already knew. <laughs> it is true. He shows up and says, hey, remember all that stuff you told about, talked about in your flashbacks? You're right. Because you chose love over God. God hates you. God because you hates chose, love. Because you didn't choose God fast enough. God hates you. And to the old man, you didn't love God enough. <laughs> God hates you. And then they're all like, yeah. So what, are we going to die? And he's like, nah, go get that baby. <laughs> 
just ends. That's the end of the movie. They don't, we don't even get to see baby Jesus, I don't think. I'm pretty sure we don't. We get to see baby Jesus in that first movie. There's like a weird, awkward manger scene, but not in this movie. And the King Herod storyline goes unresolved. These guys are just like, well, that's an hour and 25 minutes. Movie's over. And the movie just ends, but not before... Remember last week when I said that the Christ Slayer had no backstory in the previous movies? Yeah. I was wrong. Oh. Because there's an obnoxious kid that runs around with the with the priests, and that boy's name is Longinus. Is Jim Christ Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> and the devil walks by and steals his eyes for no reason other than to be a dick. <laughs> That's true. I will skip these movies. You should still watch the first 10 minutes of the Chrysler because that is solid gold, man. You'll know when to turn that off. Like once Jesus stops being a ninja, you can turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) Good Uh, to know. So that's all I got on on this movie and the Quest trilogy. All right. Well, then, Intruders 2015 or possibly 2016 stars Beth Regraff who is not Kate Hudson, as Anna, and Rory Culkin, who is a Culkin, and looks very, very much like a young Pee Wee Herman in this movie. (laughs) Anna has a brother in hospice care at her house, and he tells her to forgive her dad, then promptly dies. That's polite. Rory Culkin is a... uh, Food delivery boy, who is very, very strangely flirtatious at the beginning of of this movie. There's something about it that's, it's like the only reason the woman's responding to it with any sort of positivity is because it's in the script. Like, just watching him try to do these jokes about the food he's delivering that are just awful. Does he deliver pizza with sausage? No. No, he's not being he's not being flirtatious in a gross sense. He's just he's being very dorky. It's like if he were in a different scenario, you would call it dad humor, bad stuff. And what's bad about dad jokes? Well, there's a reason for that. But (laughs) the woman does. (laughs) The woman responds fairly positively, and it, it seems implied that they get along pretty well. The brother leaves her a ton of money and then shortly thereafter we discover that she is agoraphobic and isn't going to the funeral because she's afraid to leave the house meanwhile while she's not leaving the house thieves break in and i have named these thieves there are three of them first one what bandits no the first one i named prison break because he looks like one of the guys from prison break the other one i named grease bag because he looks like a grease bag and then the last one i named Iron Butterfly, or not Beard Affleck, because he looks like a 70s malnourished version of Ben Affleck with a big old beard. Anyhow, about 36 minutes, roughly, into this movie, tables are turning, and it gets kind of interesting, actually. What's going on in this house, this robbery? It gets intriguing. The brother left the sister a ton of money, but it's not in a bank? Uh, no. No. In fact, a large portion of it is just cash in a big paper bag, (laughs) which I feel may make this movie sound worse than it is. (laughs) 
to be honest with you, there are more bads than goods, but I kind of enjoyed this movie. It's definitely, you know, it's got an independent feel. Probably one of the cooler moments is like when, other than the brother who, who dies at the beginning, the first person who dies, their death is pretty intense and it's pretty well done too. And then there's a moment with an ancillary, ancillary? ancillary there we go yeah there's a moment with an ancillary character where they kind of end up in the setting and you're like "Ooh, i don't know where this is gonna go i'm not sure if this person's in danger or not and that's a pretty well done moment too the house itself where the entire movie takes place is a pretty cool setting and they use it pretty well and they do a pretty good job too of you know i've heard reviews of die hard that have specified a lot about how well they give you a sense of Nakatomi Plaza and like what the setup of the building is. So you have a good sense of where you are in the building at any point in the movie. I feel like this movie does a good job with the house and, and giving you a sense of where things are, which is pretty important because the main character is kind of maneuvering her way around the house in interesting ways a lot. Now I'm going to talk about some of the bad things. At least for the first maybe like 20 minutes of the movie, the timing like in the performances is really strange. It's as if the director told them not to rush things. But so there are like these still thoughts where it's like whoever directed it told them not to rush things, but didn't tell them to look like they're thinking, you know, like, so if you were to say something to me and then it was going to linger, you should look like, or I should look like I'm reacting to what you just said and thinking about the implications. But instead there's just a few seconds here and there where you're like, did someone forget to say cut? <laughs> like what, what happened here? It's a little Count odd. to four before responding. Yeah. There's a moment in, or there's a character in this movie who's like, Oh, one of the bad guys has a good heart. And so that's a little annoying. But in terms of where it goes, it's not really a problem. There's a moment where Iron Butterfly takes the woman outside to like show her. It's stupid that you're agoraphobic. That's so weird. I'll Here, I'll show you that you could be fine. I'll take you outside. Sure, I'm threatening to kill you, but I'm going to take you outside first to cure you of your agoraphobia. And it just seems like a silly idea because it's broad daylight and he's in the middle of robbing the house. So the idea that he would drag her outside screaming and calling attention to herself seems unlikely. (laughs) And uh, there's a bit of, uh, I don't want to spoil things, but there is a bit of like, you kind of know how the movie's going to end. Rory Culkin is a bad point in this movie the performance and the character so i'm not exactly sure where the line is between what rory culkin's doing badly and what's just poorly written but he and the character just don't they they don't they don't uh, they shouldn't be shouldn't be there i'm not saying rory culkin should die or anything it just shouldn't it wasn't a great part of the movie there's another so we moment. have that yeah we have that on record you and don't I, think rory culkin should die should ever die <laughs> he should be granted immortality <laughs> there there's another moment in this movie too kind of like oh what was Still it ages <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Oh, what did I watch not that long ago? Um, Open Water 3, where one of the characters all of a sudden figures out everything. Like the guy figures out. Spoiler alert for... Hey, I gave a spoiler alert on the front end. Spoiler alert for 
whatever movie I just said, Open Water 3, the, I guess, main character realizes that his girlfriend and his brother have been having an affair and he just figures it out too easily once it comes to him. There's some stuff in this movie too where people just figure out stuff way too easily and then there's kind of an exposition dump. But then there are also some strange things, some, you know, that fit in my not good, not bad, but weird category. The Rory Culkin relationship with the woman seems a little strange, partly because he's not particularly appealing, partly because he looks so much like a young Pee Wee Herman, but also maybe an age discrepancy or something. There's something between the two of them where it's like, I just cannot see these people talking to each other the way they are. Um, that was a little odd. And also that there's a title card eight and a half minutes into the movie. It seems not like a movie that needs that, but that happens. And I would mildly recommend this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah. It's it, like I said, it's it's got sort of an independent movie feel and kind of like a if you were to tell me that it was the director's like first movie, I wouldn't be too surprised. And I'd say, OK, cool. You know, they, they're probably going to be able to do some pretty good stuff. It was an enjoyable ride. And it's it's a I think an hour and a half, maybe like an hour and 20 minutes or something, maybe an hour and a half with the credits. So, you know, it's it's it doesn't stretch itself out. It's got well, we'll, we'll get to it on five on five, but it's got a good pace to it. OK. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I guess I didn't I didn't include this because I didn't uh, I didn't want to spoil anything, but I can say it now without spoiling anything. This movie gets twisted so there's like the insane clown posse side project shows up i have no idea what that is uh <laughs> and so probably not but it's one of the things about the movie where i was like oh this is kind of cool okay I'm, I'm i'm in for the ride i think maybe about a half hour and i was like okay cool i'm down so yeah you know if, if you're looking for something that's kind of off the beaten track and not great but entertaining which nick you don't seem to care too much about finding anything great sometimes go for it it's free if you've got amazon prime Cool. Yeah. Was it fun to make fun of or were you just like, this is a fun movie? If you and Jill watch this together, I think there's more than enough things to comment on that it, it could be pretty interactive. All right. Cool. Well, that brings me to the second movie that I saw this week, which was Batman Begins from 2005, directed by Christopher Nolan, and it stars everyone from Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. Christian Bale is the batman it's his first time doing it and i should mention i guess earlier today joel schumacher died oh and yeah so i guess that sucks i liked batman forever batman and robin is one of history's most horrible creations he did like lost boys too he did he did do some good things but like anything past 1995 i kind of hate joel schumacher he did that terrible phantom of the opera Uh, god i hate hate that movie My wife loves it. <laughs> anyway, so happy trails, well, Joel Schumacher. Rest in peace, Joel Schumacher. I did like the Jim Carrey and Batman Forever. That movie, that's the only thing that really makes that movie for me. I think Jim Carrey's wonderful in that. Batman Begins is an awesome movie. Yes. This movie is fantastic, and I haven't seen it in a long time. It's been quite some time since I saw it, and I watched it with my son, and he watched about 75 to 80% of it before before all the Scarecrow stuff started yeah. happening, and he bailed it. He bailed. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, I don't want to watch any more of this, and I was like, I don't really blame you. Um, nothing really scary happened. I was like, nothing more scary happens, but I think at one point the Scarecrow rides a fiery horse. <laughs> and he's, yeah. like, he's like, I don't want to see that. I'm going to go upstairs and play did he like, say okay. did he say i'm gonna christian bail on this he should have yeah now i'm disappointed in him <laughs> let him know 
it should was be, should awesome. Be said for the listeners, Nick's son is twenty three years old. It's true. Yeah, he's he's grown man, but he just loves to play. Uh, no, he's seven and maybe a little young for, for this movie. Begins. But yeah. but I was like, I'm watching Batman Begins today. Like I decided that this morning. Yeah, and I was like, and I'm gonna watch it with my son, and he's gonna like it. So we sat down and he is into it. He was into it. Like he kept asking questions. And so I would pause it and then explain Batman to someone who didn't understand. Oh, that sounds like fun. Oh my God. I got to explain vengeance. (laughs) The difference between, I got to explain the difference between justice and revenge. Oh man. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I had to explain why Batman was going to murder Joe Chill. I was like, well, because he wanted he wanted vengeance, not justice. And he's like, but Batman doesn't do vengeance, or does he? And I'm like, eh, it's kind of a gray area. He's, he's always near the line. Yeah, he rides the line. It's His cape should be gray and not black. But man, is this movie awesome. And it yeah. just starts, too. Like, it just, like, out of the gate just begins. And you're, like, 45 minutes into this movie before you realize, oh, we're, like, halfway through this. And I think he becomes Batman for the first time, like at just around the hour mark. Man, is that first hour so awesome. I wish the whole movie could be just ninja training and that stuff. I love Liam Neeson in this movie. He's so great. Christian Bale's fantastic. That Batman suit is the worst, though. I hate the Batman suit. Uh, yeah? Because he can't... Because, like, once you see that he can't move in it, you can't unsee it, and it just really takes you out of it. And all you want is for him to be wearing the Dark Knight costume, where he's, like, looks like a person. And mm. the whole time I was thinking, oh, man, I'm going to watch the Dark Knight right after this. <laughs> and I, I wasn't able to do that, although I did show my, my son the beginning of the Dark Knight. I made him come downstairs to watch that. He was like, is the scary guy there? And I was like, no, this is where we meet the Joker. Anyway, that's a story for another time, maybe next week in film. <laughs> this is where you get to- to meet the Joker. He kills someone with a pencil. <laughs> he kills so many people. Well, like during the bank robbery scene where he's where they're doing the heist at the beginning, he shoots that guy. He's like, why do you shoot that guy? I'm like, because it's the Joker's plan. What's the Joker's plan? To kill everybody. <laughs> Just, he's, he's like, that's a weird plan, Daddy. I'm like, I, I know. It, it makes sense with later sort of it, it makes once <laughs> once you're cynical it'll make sense right yeah you and your friends are dead anyway batman begins so if you don't know this tells the story of batman he, he becomes batman he spends the first hour of the mo- movie going from being a, a naive young man to kind of a, a hardened vigilante who is trained to be a ninja and then on the day of ninja graduation they tell him that he's got to kill people and this had never come up before that he's gonna have to kill people <laughs> right like i imagine they say he's gone for seven years and i imagine that he's training with liam neeson for like three or four at least in order to become as awesome as he is and at no point did liam neeson tell him by the way you know you're gonna be like my chief executioner right and bruce wayne could be like oh oh yeah i'm not into that like that never comes up until graduation day that's a little stupid and then bruce wayne says i'm not gonna kill this man and proves his point by killing everyone else right He's very much, I'm not going to kill you, but uh, it's your own fault for not getting out of the way of the exploding building. Well, he does say at the end, he's like, I'm not going to kill you, but it doesn't mean I have to save you. And that's kind of how he's earlier. He's like, I didn't kill you. The exploding house did. 
Yeah, I tried to save him. Well, no, he, he doesn't kept, really try to save anybody but Liam Neeson. He kept trying to grab him, but his sword kept getting in the way. Also, Batman fighting with swords with Liam Neeson on that ice patch is awesome. Just the imagery in this movie is so good. It's so good. Didn't we see this in theaters together? Oh, hell yeah, we did. And yeah, we were because- sitting there dead silent in awe until Batman was like, swear to me. And then we both looked yeah. at each other like, holy shit, Batman lost it. Drugs going. Uh, 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 I never knew. I don't know. I swear to God. Swear to me. I distinctly remember leaning over to you when he did the swear to me thing in the in the rain and just going, Batman is terrifying. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the scene where Batman makes his first appearance, like where he's in the full costume and he does all the cool Batman stuff, and the drug runners, the one guy gets sucked into that container. Right, yeah, no, Batman's thing. first appearance is a horror movie for a few minutes. Yeah, and my son is watching it, and my daughter is also watching it too, and my son goes, where'd that guy go? And I was like, oh, did something happen to him? And he's like, yeah, he was there, and now he's not there. And so I rewound it, and we watched it again, and this guy just disappears. And then Batman's throwing the batarangs, and ba- and my son says, why is he throwing those batarangs? And I'm like, he's trying to scare these guys. See how he's like only turning off some light, but not all of it, because he wants them to see him. He's messing with their heads. And my son's like, that's really cool. <laughs> I'm like, it is really cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's... Uh probably one of the one of the best moments e- even in the movies afterwards too for really getting into some of the stuff that's always referenced in Batman lore but isn't shown a whole lot I mean yeah. uh, Batman Begins does borrow a lot from Batman Year One so and, yeah. and that's probably in the in the in the graphic novels you know like one of the probably the biggest one that really spells some of this stuff out but it gets referenced a lot elsewhere and not really shown so it was the first time in live action I think that we really got to see and hear and kind of be in the in the position of the criminals where it's right. like oh here we are you know we're doing some crime or whatever and you don't even like like the guys or feel like you're in their shoes until that guy gets sucked into the thing and all of a sudden you're like oh where's yeah where's danger <laughs> like, what, like yeah. where it's like oh yeah batman really is trying to use theatrics to terrify people and take advantage of their natural fear right it's it's fantastic and it's yeah. executed just so well I, th- I think and this movie's way underrated. I agree. This movie is definitely better than The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, yeah. And yeah. like of the three, it's number two. I and agree. I like I like The Dark Knight Rises quite a bit, but it's got way too much going on and way too long. And that's where it falls apart. But anyway, we'll get to that perhaps two weeks in film. But uh, when Batman, in that same scene we were just talking about, when Batman does the, or the guy yells, Where are you? When Batman's hanging behind him and he goes, Here. My son stood up and went, that was amazing. He was just behind him the whole time. I'm like, yeah, he was, wasn't he? The only thing that looks a little janky about this movie, besides how awful Christian Bale looks in the suit, and it's not Christian Bale's fault, it's just a big rubber suit, is like a couple of times you see Batman swinging around and it looks terrible. It's like Tarzan going, and I don't care for that. I think that looks bad. It feels like this movie had a lot of studio interference. And then when the movie was a huge success, Warner Brothers just let Chris Nolan do his thing. Because the end of the movie feels really Warner Brothers-y. Where, where they're like once the, the, once, not Mad Hatter. 
Scarecrow. The Scarecrow, like once the Scarecrow stuff is really kicking in? No, like after everything has happened and they're at like the burned down house and there's like a weird sunset thing going on and Bruce Wayne is like, I love you. And she's like, I'd love you too, but not Batman. Never Batman. <laughs> and, then, and, and then they like walk away, but they're holding hands. And I'm like, what's, which scene did we just watch? Why are they holding hands? And it's just, it just feels like reshoots where they're like, well, they gotta, he's gotta get the girl or something. Hmm. And I don't know. It just, it just feels like studio interference where, where they just wouldn't let Nolan make his movie. Um, I never felt there's that a- way. I don't know. I, I don't remember that completely, but I think I was walked away from that relationship going, oh, they want to be together, but they can't. I feel like for me, it would work a lot better if it was more not ambiguous but more like they kiss each other and then she's like but this isn't you and i'm like well then why'd you kiss him because she like, loves him but she doesn't she yeah, just she, does. she doesn't she does she just can't she doesn't want to be with him while he's doing the batman thing then two seconds later they're walking around wreckage holding hands yeah it's still a complicated relationship the thing that bugs me about the first movie is um thomas wayne almost every line he's got is is forced and stupid the whole like why do we fall so we can get back up just i mean the message is fine but but the execution's shitty and then like there's some point where i think bruce asks him a question did you build this train dad and instead of answering it, he goes, Gotham's been good to our family, but the city's been suffering. Gotham has been good to us. And he goes into a spiel and I'm like, man, this is some really clunky exposition stuff. Yeah. No, thank young you. Bruce, young Bruce Wayne says, by the way, the young Bruce Wayne kid is awesome in this movie. Yeah, young Bruce fine. Wayne's kick ass. I mean, he's only in five minutes of the movie, but at no point was I like, man, get this kid away. Right. Yeah. No, you could, you could believe he's Bruce Wayne. Uh, Yeah. And there's a, there's an easy way to be like, yeah, I built the train. I've got tons of money and, and it's because, you know, I've been able to, to help Gotham and, you know, it's paid us back, but like, not just be like, you know what, instead of answering the question you asked, here's this exposition I memorized. (laughs) Yeah. It's perhaps your mother would like to talk. No. I will say all the lines because <laughs> she's not allowed to talk at all. Ever. Ever. <laughs> she does anything. She does yell Thomas after he gets shot. This, and this is an issue I have with, with uh, Batman altogether is that you never hear anything from Martha Wayne. Why did you say that? Dad? And obviously he loved her. It's her name is enough to get him to stop from killing Superman. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, the rest of the movie, though, I I, I like Batman Begins a lot. It's exciting. Yeah, it's it's it really, it, it's hard. And maybe, you know, if you having your son there or, you know, if you're just watching it with some intentional mindset of trying to get back to that pretend this is a new movie for me kind of place mm-hmm. it, it might be hard otherwise to to appreciate it as much you know for kids who didn't grow up seeing the other movies and stuff it probably isn't quite as exciting but man does this movie set a good trajectory for batman that you know even though the third one wasn't all that great it, it lasts well enough for those three and then just gets shot in the face by batman versus superman and the justice league although yeah. i guess well, the I snyder gonna, cuts gonna, coming. yeah that's gonna fix everything Sure. The thing you're saying about how kids don't have experience with bad Batman movies, I was going to say they do. They have those Zack Snyder Batmans where I remember sitting down in the theater. I think it was the midnight showing because that's when we would do that. That's back in the day when I would go to we would go to midnight showings all the time. Yeah. It was either midnight or in the afternoon. I don't know. But the anticipation of 
oh god this looks like it's gonna be good please don't suck and then the the delivery of a movie that doesn't suck yeah <laughs> yeah and and to, and to like have a moment during the movie where like you and your friend look at each other like this is amazing it's such a good feeling yeah it, it, it's like going in hoping that someone you love doesn't let you down and then having them just like completely show up for you and you're like wait a minute you cared about me this whole time it's amazing <laughs> Meanwhile, you should be like why are you still in my life all you've done is disappoint me lately <laughs> Why does your success bring me such joy? <laughs> <laughs> it's all I asked for. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Thank you, Christopher Nolan. Thank you, Batman. Yeah. Christian Bale, um, work on your voice a little bit. But still, thank you. Yeah, he's kind of all over the place in this first movie. And it's kind of forgivable because he is just learning how to do all this stuff. Yeah. And even the part where he's just wearing a, a knit hat as a mask when he goes to Gordon the first time and then Gordon chases him to the rooftop and he jumps off, but he's, he doesn't know how to jump off of a roof yet. And he does, they got to have that whole scene of him falling off of balconies yeah. and you're like, you're just like, eh, you'll get there, Batman, just hang in there. <laughs> I, I, would, I, I would be interested in watching an alternate universe story where he, he just fails the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the movie Kick-Ass, uh, but I don't remember. I did like the first Kick-Ass though. Yeah, that's all right. Batman, the animated scene series has a the mask of the phantasm movie has this it's basically the same plot of batman begins there's a scene in the animated or in mask of the phantasm that i always think is in batman begins where he goes up to alfred and he starts complaining that no one was afraid of him there was only one thing wrong they weren't afraid of me i've got to strike fear in them from the start and I just kept waiting for that today. And I, and finally I went, oh, that's from the cartoon. Where he's like, they weren't afraid of me, Alfred. They need to be afraid of me. That's what I get off on. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to that. I, I only saw that when I was like in high school or something. But I, I remember enjoying it then. And I know it's got a pretty good reputation amongst fans. Uh, Mask of the Phantasm is fantastic. It's really good. Okay. Check it out. All right. Well, I guess that'll about do it for the regular portion of our show. Uh huh. It's time for Five on Five. Five on Five. There, it's, it's got a theme song now. Wow, listen to that theme song. You Just didn't expect violins better this week, and better. I, I can't wait till them till you finally are in the position that you you need to desperately use something something that doesn't belong, and you're like, fine, the clown horn it is. <laughs> Spend way too much time on that. All right, Matt, I have your list open. Okay. And the first movie you discussed was I Kill Giants, yeah. and I think you're gonna give this uh, a three. All right. Well, let's see. What's the first thing? Story and plot? Or I guess in this case, it might be a bit of the, the themes. It's not amazing, but it's it's pretty good. And it's enough to be touching. So I'm going to say three and a half for the plot and the themes. Acting has some real high points and a fair amount of low points. I think the highlights outweigh the, the downside. So I'm going to give it a three and then... Pacing is really good. I'm going to give it a four for pacing. The aesthetics, there are some things that, like I said, are fantastical and they don't necessarily look real, but they are what they're supposed to be. So I'm going to give that a four as well. And for enjoyment, I'm going to give it a three and a half. 
Okay, that's much higher than I thought it was going to be. Actually, it's not. That doesn't make sense. Oh, hold on. I have to click out of the box. There it is. <laughs> Closing, clicking out of that box adds the last number. Oh boy, computers, will you ever learn? Your final score for that movie is 3.6. Oh, okay. So not, not a whole lot higher than you guessed. Yeah. The movie Intruders, I think you're going to give this uh, a two and a half. All right plot because of where it goes it gets some it doesn't do a whole lot that's amazing just in a general sense but with the twistiness of it it gets some extra padding there so i'm going to give it a three for story the acting is it's kind of messy the main actor is she does a pretty good job but it's brought down a bit by rory culkin and some of the thieves so i'm going to give the acting two and a half Pacing is pretty on point. I'm going to give that a four. The aesthetics are mostly in the house itself and, and the composition of the shots, but there's nothing too like crazy artistic. It's mostly like the set design. I'm going to give that a three and a half. And then the enjoyment, I'm going to give a three and a half. Oh, and your score for that is a 3.3. Okay. Now onto my list. I saw Chasing the Star. What do you think I'm gonna? You, yes, I did. What do you think I'm gonna give that movie? A uh, one point five. No, now, actually, it sounds like you enjoyed. No, one point five. Okay. <laughs> Plot for this movie: the beginning, pretty good, pretty interesting, but then there's the rest, and that was terrible. It gets one point five. I'm going to give it the 0.5 bonus. The acting is pretty atrocious. Some people are much better than others, but for the most part, it gets a 1.5 again. Pacing, goddammit, is it slow as shit. <laughs> Especially because you just keep waiting for the storm to end so that they can go on this journey to find a baby. And that's the story you want to see. There have to have been a, like a thousand births in a large city that night. Or, or even 50. How do you decide which one is the king <laughs> you know like it's like picking the dalai lama i, I want to know how you do that show me the inner workings there take me behind the curtain and anyway we just spend it in this sandstorm that sucked it gets a 0.5 for pacing i was so bored the aesthetics it looks better than that 40 nights movie there's a lot of like low light candlelight stuff that looks pretty good i'm gonna give the aesthetics uh, a three and overall enjoyment of this movie is going to be a one and a half it was pretty boring and and not really much there to have fun with just overall pretty disappointing experience and that movie's average score is a 1.6 oh, yeah. that's it underestimated it just below the christ slayer that's interesting hmm. batman begins matt what do you think i'm gonna give this i think you're gonna give batman begins a 4.25 so plot for this movie the first half of the movie the plot's crystal clear and awesome second half of the movie when we get into the batman stuff it kind of starts to fall apart a little but it's still great like all the scarecrow stuff the crime boss stuff all the little things like they all just add up to this self-contained but large story so i'm gonna give it a three and a half for plot the acting i think is terrific liam neeson is, is so good and then you like you think he made this movie like three or four years after that phantom menace movie and you re and you realize oh man we could have had this guy as a Jedi instead of the shit Liam Neeson is in Phantom Menace. Like, you can't even realize that that's the same person, even though he's not wearing makeup. Like, he's got a beard and... Did I say The Last Jedi? I meant <laughs> the Phantom Menace. Anyway, so, like, just what a, what a waste of... Liam Neeson. Christian Bale's very good. Katie Holmes is terrific. I was going to say Al 
Crawford, but Michael Caine, everybody's good. There's not a bad performance in this movie from a named actor. <laughs> there, there are a lot of there are a lot of people who give terrible line deliveries, extras who got to do lines, but it's nowhere near as bad as they get in The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight has so much worse extra line deliveries. So anyway, acting, I'm going to give it a four. Pacing, I'm going to give it a four and a half. The movie's great. It's it's an hour into it before you realize you're an hour into it. You get sucked in so quick. Aesthetics, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Again, it just looks great. The music is phenomenal. Sound, everything about it is, it's a Christopher Nolan movie, so it's, it's top notch, but it's kind of early Nolan, so he's not fully off the leash yet, so he's a little restrained. But you can tell, like, guys going somewhere and then enjoyment i'm gonna give it a five i love this movie i love mm-hmm. it so much and the average score for batman begins is a 4.3 so you were just off oh uh, yeah 4.3 cracks my top five top three four top four <laughs> whatever Hey, do you want to know exactly what our list looks like? Why don't you head on over to thisweekinfilm.com? There you can find a link to a different website where they keep everything in order for us. It's our letterboxed page, and it looks fantastic there, which is why we don't do it on ours. But on thisweekinfilm.com, we've got a little section called Midwest Matt Recommends. And Matt, what do you recommend this week the podcast behind the bastards sorry behind the bastards mini series that's also kind of offshoot or off shot i guess as a uh, separate podcast called behind the police i'd say give that a shot kind of summarizes a lot of stuff and if you would like to get in touch with our show please send us an email at this week in film podcast at gmail.com or contact us on the many social networks or you can be like listener travis and work with me and just talk to me and <laughs> and tell me that you've been listening to some of the later episodes that we've put out and you think that they're hilarious so thanks travis it means a lot it really does thanks um, travis Glad travis to have also you on board. loves my stallone impression so i guess this one's for you travis travis you're out there i'm gonna find you wow what of an impression it's like he was here <laughs> anything else this week matt Nah, i'm good all right well i guess if that is the end of the reel we'll see you next week in film thanks for listening and judge movies not people. May Rory Corkin live forever. Corkin? <laughs> yeah, Rory Corkin's just fine. <laughs> There's some random guy in Nebraska who's never going to die now. Because <laughs> you've granted him that power. <laughs>